Hello and welcome to another episode of Fully Scored, a podcast that delves into the meaning, message and history of Salvation Army music making. In today's episode, episode 16, we're going to be doing something a little bit different. And we're going to be looking into and celebrating the music and the life so far of a very prominent musician and composer in the Salvation Army. He's had well over 100 different compositions published in band journals all around the world. All of his music is incredibly well written, classy, functional and playable and has a fantastically strong message behind it. I'm of course talking about the music of Noel Jones. Noel has recently celebrated his 80th birthday, so we're going to be calling this episode Noel's Birthday Bash to celebrate that milestone. It really was such a privilege and an honour to be able to speak to Noel a few weeks ago. Uh, Such a humble, caring and encouraging man. And uh, through everything that he says, you can really hear that genuine faith and love for God that he exudes and the real passion that he has for Salvation Army music making. So let's virtually head to Australia and celebrate Noel's birthday bash. So it gives me great pleasure to welcome you, Noel, to Fully Scored. How are you keeping? I'm keeping very well, thank you, Matthew. It's, I count it an honour to be here. Great. Um, we, we count it as an honour to have you here. Thank you ever so much for giving up your time to speak to us today. So I believe you were a birthday boy a few weeks ago now and celebrated the big 8-0, a significant yeah. milestone there. I'm getting old, aren't I? <laughs> I, I? I thank God for very good health. Brilliant. Uh, That's fantastic to hear. And uh, in honour of that milestone that you celebrated, we'd like to call this episode Noel's Birthday Bash. Well, thank you. And uh, in this episode, we'd we'd love to celebrate uh, some of those those years of service that you've given so far and get to know a bit more about you, about your life, your music and your faith. So I guess my first question for you, um, how does it feel being 80? Look, I, one can't tell how long the going to live, but uh, good health. The Lord's looked after me, and I love the Lord, and uh, I, I find great joy in being the Salvation Army. Fantastic. So encouraging to hear. Now, um, you know, how are things in Australia at the moment? I believe that you were able to start up with band practices again a few weeks ago. How's that been? Yes, yes. We uh, About three weeks ago, we started rehearsal. And it's wonderful to get back together. Uh, we have to use, uh, you know, uh, pads on our belt um, and uh, social distancing, of course. But uh, no, we, we, we're, we're having a great time. Yeah, beautiful. I'm, I'm in two bands, like the, Mel- uh, the Melbourne Salvation Army uh, Band. Uh, I used to be called the Veterans Band, which I was bandmaster of. So I play second corner than that. And I play second quarter in the Ringwood Salvation Army Band. And the fellowship is absolutely tremendous. That's really exciting to hear. And I know that we uh, over here in the UK look forward to getting back to practices as well, hopefully uh, sometime in the near future. But it's really encouraging to hear that you've been able to uh, already. Let's jump back in history a little bit now. Um, Can you tell us about your early years, where you were born and perhaps some of your earliest memories? Yes, well, I was born in the city of Geelong. Uh, parents, Salvation Army officers, gave great service, good pastoral officers. And I think the first thing I could remember was in a town called Renmark, where they were the Salvation Army officers, on the River Murray. And I can remember all these oranges. They, it was a great area for, uh, for growing orange trees. And uh, that's one thing I can remember. I would have been about two or three. <laughs> Fantastic. And is the orange your favourite fruit still, or have you got other favourites? As a matter of fact, I, I have a glass of orange juice first thing in the morning. You're so stuck with me. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> so as a, a child of Salvation Army officers, you must have moved around quite a bit. Um, have you got anywhere in particular that you really enjoyed being and that made quite a big impact on your life growing up? Yes, well, well certainly uh, they're all lovely appointments, uh, some lovely core, and as they travelled around, well, us four boys joined the, the van, of course, and it was a loss, of course, when we got shifted. Places that stand out for me would be 
South Melbourne. I was only about 10 there. We were allowed to play in the senior band because it was a fairly small call. And uh, whenever we went to band practice, we had to finish at 9 o'clock at night and the town hall was right next door to the Salvation Army Hall. So when 9 o'clock came, we had to give our apologies and then go back home ready for school the next morning. But they were great days. So was that your first experience in music making there with the Salvation Army Band, or were you learning an instrument outside of that beforehand? Uh, Dad was my teacher, and he wouldn't rate himself as a, as a musician's bootlace, but he taught me the C scale, and I think the first tune I learnt was Hursley, and that, that was the first piece I played in the Talent Quest, only eight years of age. It's an amazing memory to remember the first ever tune you played. I can't remember what I had for breakfast this morning, let alone the first tune I played. And uh, so you're a cornet player now. Did you start yeah. off on cornet or did you start off the dark side and come to the light? Or No, I've always stayed on cornet and I enjoyed, you know, uh, a lot of good core band and uh, eventually I joined the staff band, played solo cornet there for 12 years. Uh, but I've never been a, a great player, but a good reader and a good mulliker. That's the best way to express myself there. But it's a, it's a lovely instrument, the corner. Mm. I'm still trying out various mouthpieces. <laughs> <laughs> That's all corner players do that, don't we? <laughs> never settle. <Yeah. laughs> so, um, as well as being a very fine cornet player, you're probably better known for your compositions, and lots of people will recognise your name from the top right-hand corner of pieces of music that we play. How did you get into composition, first of all? Well, I started on one or two pieces when I was about 20, but I had a big job in the National Bank, and the, the fellow who was in charge of the bank, the Chief Inspector, Norm McLeod, he was staff bandmaster. And being born in the Depression, a lot of Salvation Army boys my age got a job at the National Bank. And uh, but little did I realise that uh, uh, after I'd left the bank, so I did a lot of overtime in the, during the mining boom days, and uh, I was invited into the staff band at the age of 35, um, 12 years in that, most enjoyable. Then uh, Commissioner Eva Burroughs asked me if I'd be the Territorial Music Director, so that's you know, one shift to another. Brilliant stuff. So you said that you'd written a couple of pieces when you were 20. Uh, what, yeah. what inspired you to write those? Was there someone that encouraged you to write, or was it just something you wanted to try out? Yes, well, I think at a young age, uh, I discovered that I had some gift as far as being a good ear for music, you know, I could sing an older part, and I, I remember one divisional commander who came to our corps, he asked me if I'd play for the knee drill the next morning. That's a 7.30 knee drill. And uh, he told me to practice a tune, I Surrender All. And when we got to the prayer meeting, he said, yeah, put that tune book up on top of the piano and see if you can memorise it, which I did. And I sort of improvised a little bit at a very young age. So I think... There was a discovery that I had something with some sort of gift, you know. But uh, yeah, when I was 20, I, I did a piece called, for the Adelaide Congress Hall, The Wounds of Christ, which later on I put in a piece in Triumph series called Lest I Forget. And uh, it's a lovely old song. And I, I love harmony. I love experimenting with harmony. And uh, it came off all right, I think. Yeah. Brilliant. So that was my first effort. And uh, did you ever have any sort of formal lessons in composition or were there people that inspired you and encouraged you along the way? No, no, I had no lessons whatsoever. I just did it. And, uh, you know, I remember the very first piece that I sent over to New uh, to London, Steve Manella was in charge, and it was a trombone solo, Jesus Real to Me. I decided to send it over using a red pen. Now, that's being cheeky. And actually complained to me, he said, it's hurting my eyes. But amazingly enough, they, they published it. So uh, just a simple arrangement. And the staff, the staff band recorded with all the trombones playing in unison. And when I got to the last chord, they split it up, you know. 
but it's, it's on a recording. It sounds really beautiful the way they interpret it. And how did you feel to have your first piece published? Uh, did you sort of think, oh, this is going to be the first of many, or was, did you think, right, I've done that now, uh, and not yeah. sort of think well, about it again? Well, um, Matthew, I think it, it's all been in the Lord's timing. I'm a devout Christian, and I, you know, I pray and read my Bible every day, and uh, I, I just felt that the Lord was preparing me without me being aware of it, because as I said, I was very busy in the bank. Once I went into the staff band, I felt I was ready to uh, to write. And I've never, ever worried about what I'm going to do next. The Lord's just provided wonderful inspiration. And ever since those days, I've just uh, automatically done it as part of my daily devotions. So I, I've got a lot to thank God for. I'm not a clever person, so I can tell you that much. Uh, but uh, he has given me a gift to write accessible music not complicated, with a strong message. So I'm very grateful for that. You'll never see my name in the festival series, nor am I worried about that. So my next question for you, I, I, was, I was having a little bit of research last night uh, on Regal Zonophone, listening to some of your music, and I came across a cassette of uh, you playing, or the first half was uh, some pieces of yours played by Brass Band, and the second oh. half was you playing the piano and the organ, some beautiful, beautiful playing on there, indeed. Oh, thank you. Um, really enjoyed listening to it, and I recommend anyone to go and check that out on uh, Regal Zonophone. It was just a private cassette for the home league ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that your skills as a pianist and as an organist have uh, shaped the way that your music sounds? Most definitely, yes. Uh, when I do devotional music, I say to myself, now, this has got to be organ-like. You know, it's got to be sustained, no big gaps. That's how I like a brass band playing devotional music and, and, and the feel of it too, you know. It's, uh, you don't have to clutter your score up with uh, too many Italian words, but it's got to be a natural feel of it. And I, th I, I hope that my writing comes across that way. Mm. And may I just ask you a little bit more about your uh, compositional process? You know, um, where do you start? If you want to write a piece of music, do you start with the tune? How do those little seeds of inspiration come to you? What I generally like to do, have an introduction with little hidden motives, you know, relating to the tune without giving it away. And then uh, enter, enter letter A. Fairly straightforward um, arrangement. Uh, transitions, you've got to make them interesting. I like key changes. Um, even a transition, you can just have a little secret motive relating to the to the piece itself, and uh, yeah, might be end up with a three verse arrangement. But you've got to make it interesting, and I, I love warm, rich harmonies. And uh, now you've been published uh, a Salvation Army published composer now for forty two years, which is a phenomenal feat, really. Uh, and um, you know you. I believe from doing my research, you've had uh, 117 pieces published, which really is phenomenal. Yeah, I've never worried about counting it, but it sounds pretty right. <laughs> yeah, it certainly does. Yeah. Um, do you think that in over those 42 years, your style's changed much, or do you think you've always sort of remained true to your original voice? I think I've pretty well remained the same. I, I feel even at the age of 80, I'm more prolific than ever. Um, I just say a prayer. The other thing I have is a bowl of chocolate on the piano, and off I go. So I, I could, I, I generally prepare a, a, a draft piano. It's not the exact thing, but two days at the piano, take the dog for a walk, come back, have something to eat. I, I know what I'm doing. You know, then I just go straight to the computer. Might take a few days on the computer, but finish a piece in 10 days, probably on average. But that's, you know, most pieces I've done, whether it's a march or devotional thing. No, I, I, I'm at my very best when I'm, you know, coming up with a new piece, and I thank the Lord for it. As I say, I'm just a, I'm not a highly educated person, and I'm, I'm self-taught, but I did get my letters for the piano, you know, for 
of Amos A. And that, that gave me the rudiments of music and uh, very, very grateful that mum and dad gave me the opportunity to learn piano. That definitely helps. Fantastic. And it's lovely to hear how humble you are. And I know that sort of asking you about this music can be uh, perhaps a bit embarrassing for someone so humble. But thank you ever so much for talking about that. Um, are there any composers that you would say really have influenced you throughout the years or that you look to uh, and, and love their, their way of writing and try and emulate that right. in yours? Well, when I really started writing, Howard Davies was our core officer at Ringwood. He's a fantastic person. In fact, he was in a band practice today with me. He was playing first bar and I was playing second corner. And he, he's a great writer. He's got the gift of writing vocal music, you know, puts the words and the music together. He writes good band music. Uh, I remember when he was at Ringwood there, I, I asked him to have a look at a piece I was doing. I think it was called The, the Name of Jesus. in general series. He said, oh, no, that'll, that'll, that'll come over well. You know, he just made one, two, just get the places go, oh, you know. But that, that was it, you know, so I, I admire him. I, I'd regard him as, as my main mentor. You mentioned earlier uh, that you were the Territorial Music Secretary uh, yes. for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about your time in that role? Yes, well, I was the first one to take on that role and I had... No assistance whatsoever, just a typing pool. Uh, come a Congress event, you know, conducting a four and a voice choir that meant travelling around and uh, providing all the music, etc. Uh, it was a big job, but I loved it. I think my forte really was uh, working with the younger people, you know, wifey bands, wifey sing companies. Uh, that's probably been my most successful avenue of leadership. I've enjoyed being band most of that. Leading a group of young fellows you know, with their instruments and uh, getting their dads to come along and help in the rehearsals. And I, I can remember when our YB band uh, were invited to play in a big festival, and uh, Eva Burroughs was there, Cheerio, and uh, she said, Look, Noel, those boys were fantastic tonight. I want you to take them to the Pizza Hut. Instead of practice next week, and I'll put up she'll pay the, pay the bill. Isn't that lovely? Yeah, it's Beautiful lady. Wonderful. That's a fantastic story to hear that. As someone that's passionate about young people, uh, what would you say to any young developing composer? Are there any pearls of wisdom you could give them? Yes. Uh, well, I've, I've always got an open home here, and, and many people come asking me to look at their their writings. I think the main problem, a lot of the younger people tend to clutter up the, the scores with too many unnecessaries. Uh, you'd need four hands to play it. You know what I mean? <laughs> you could condense it to a piano drum. Uh, but, yeah, no, I, I like to encourage them, but I think if they just sort of took it a bit easier, uh, make it accessible. You know, aim for Unity series for a start, or Triumph, you know. But putting in too many notes, yeah, that, that's not my style. So I was really fortunate to have a conversation with you a few weeks ago now, uh, before this interview, and you said that, uh, you mentioned then as well, that your composition is part of your devotions, and you always start off before composing uh, with a prayer. And the Salvation Army songbook, because scripture reference in the songbook is magnificent. So I read that passage of scripture, then I look at every verse in the songbook. I tell you, I miss my wife. She knew the Salvation Naomi songbook backwards. And if I was writing a selection, she'd check that I had the right tunes for it, you know, fit in with the thing. But uh, yeah, no, that's, that's the way I, I've managed. I think we can really hear that with your music, the real heart and the, the faith that's essential uh, to, to your music. So another um, area I'd like to speak to you briefly about uh, is your time in the Melbourne Staff Band. Um, could you tell us a few highlights that you had during your years as a solo cornet player in the band? Yes, uh, I think the highlight would have been the 1978 Congress. The Staff Band, an excellent band, and they still are a good band. But I think uh, those days they were really you know, at, their, at their peak. 
Uh, we played a couple of pieces, one by Steve Manell on, Rat on Ratcliffe Highway. And I remember him uh, coming in to listen to the piece. It was the first time he heard it. Robert Redhead, Quintessence. Two good pieces. And uh, we only got them a few weeks before we left uh, uh, England. And by the way, I, I can remember in that 78 uh, Congress, Ray Stedman Allen passed me to the long boat, and that's where he passed me a, a publication notice for Jesus is Real to Me. That, that was very interesting. Great man. And uh, so when you hear and play those pieces for the first time, like the two pieces you mentioned there on Ratcliffe Highway and Quintessence, yeah. you know, looking at from 2021, they're both absolute staples of the Salvation Army repertoire. Did you ever get that feeling in those initial rehearsals that, you know, this piece is going to stick or was it just a sort of another day at the office, so to speak? Well, I'll be honest with you, on Ratcliffe Highway, I wondered, you know, is it going to go well? But look, when the story was explained, you know, about the early days of the army and what the theatre was doing, it, was, it, it sort of hit home, you know. Now... I would suggest uh, that you're particularly well known for your marches and selections. We talked a bit about those selections and we will uh, in a bit more detail to come. But uh, if Bramwell Coles was known as the Salvation Army's March King, I think that you should be crowned uh, the Australian March Prime Minister. That's a title. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and your marches are always so playable, upbeat and memorable. And I'd love to know, in your opinion, what makes a good march? Yes. You've got to think of the word precision. Uh, don't make it too difficult. I've got my own stamp. I think every composer's got their own stamp. And there goes Noel again. He's got a trillion here. Uh, quaves have got to be short. Any long, thick quavers, you know, I, I nearly jump out of my chair. But, uh, no, but I, I try to have two tunes, two songs, and every march I write. Service of joy. Got two two pieces in it. Um, joy in the Salvation Army. Well, I certainly find great joy being a soldier in the Salvation Army. And as part of our witnessing sphere, sphere, I love to tell a story. You know, get the horns playing that by contrast to what the opening tune was. And to finish with a little bit of up by the by the corner section, solo chords above that melody. Those sort of things can be effective. There's a few little tricks involved, but my marches are very playable, whether it's the general series or uh, triumph or unity. And uh, in this podcast episode, talking about your, your life and your music, I think it would be uh, remiss not to listen to some of your music. So at this point, we'd love to listen to that march that you just mentioned there. <laughs> Thank you. 
a little bit about how that march came to be and about the why you chose those two tunes in there. Yes. Well, it was Perth Fortress Corps, uh, Bandmaster and Palmer in those days. He asked me if I'd write a march. Serves Our Joy is part of their band motto. I'm sorry I can't quote the, the rest of it, but uh, he said, call it Serves Our Joy uh, for just celebration for, for the Perth Fortress Band. So that was a great honour to be asked to do that. So you, you give up your best when you uh, put pen to paper, a word of prayer first. And, uh, you yeah, know, it's, uh, I think the two tunes work well together. Uh, Gotta make it uplifting, you know. I mean, it's, uh, I count it a great privilege to do that for Perth Fortress, and there is still a jolly good core band too. And uh, in our conversation a few weeks ago, you mentioned that that was a uh, possibly your favourite march that you've uh, written. Is that still the case, or has that changed in a couple of weeks? Yeah, it's funny. You know, when you write, when I write music, I forget about, I forget it. You know, and I get on with the next piece. Um, yeah, actually, Ken Waterworth gave me an email this morning. He said, um, we're going to the staff band and ring with band at a concert very shortly. And he did, did, he, did I have a copy of MSB 100? It is, I found out it is published in general series. So he obviously likes it. And uh, it takes a good band to play that because it's marked in a fairly fast tempo. So... Uh, yeah, now, I, I think Service Our Joy sits nicely with me, yeah. Absolutely, and a cracking march uh, to listen to. Um, now, as well as marches and selections, you've also written other genres, um, and you've written quite a few solos, and, of course, um, the very well-known Cornet Trio, Keeping Step. Uh, have you yeah. got a favourite solo or instrumental feature that you've written? I think Greatest I Faithfulness, Greatest I Faithfulness was Cornet, Seems to go over well. Uh, yes, uh, Ray Stedman Allen published that. Uh, he gave me one little tip about a, a key change towards the end there, which I did, you know. Uh, I think that's fairly popular. I, I haven't written any you know, jubilates or any of those sort of things. I, I regret that I haven't, but perhaps I should try something a bit more extensive, you know. Now, um... Also, in this conversation I keep referencing that we had a few weeks ago, uh, I asked you what your favourite, or one of your favourite devotional pieces of music that you've written. And uh, you said that at, at that moment, the piece of music you've written called Surrender uh, was, yeah. was really meaningful to you. And once again, I think we'd, we'd love to have a listen to that now um, and then talk to you a little bit about, about that piece and, and why it means so much to you.
Beautiful music indeed. Thank you ever so much for that, Noel. Why does that piece mean so much to you? Well, I think the three choruses that I included, At Thy Feet I Bow Adoring, which is a range totally different to Robert Red, it's finished as Quintessence, very devotional. Uh, and the next one is uh, Silently I Wait for Thee and The More I Surrender. Now, each chorus is very demanding because we're talking about giving our all to God, our all. Look, some people have trouble with that, but I, I, I don't. Uh, I believe if you want to gain a real spiritual situation with the Lord Jesus Christ, you've got to give your all. That chorus, silently, now I wait for thee, the word wait, in that selection you'll notice that I stretch out that bar, make it a 4-4 four, four bar, and then just come down, you know. It, I think you've got to be aware of the words. You've got to be able to paint a picture, even in a simple devotional piece. Uh, and that's through prayer and studying the words and the scripture, you know, reference. Um, I think that's what makes music. If you, if you allow the Lord to tell you what to do. I don't, I don't take any praise or honour or whatever I write. I just thank the Lord immediately I finish the score. Yeah. And I pray that when a band plays it, that they will have the ability to interpret the music, which will bring blessing both to player and listener. That's been my goal right through. So as I said earlier, you've you've had 117 pieces published so far. And by the sounds of things, it sounds like that number's going to keep on increasing. Um, it's such an extraordinary achievement. Uh, it really is. Um, but you've had pieces published in the General Series, the Triumph Series, Unity Series, American Festival Series, American yeah. Brass Band Journal, American Instrumental Series, the Arthur Gulledge Series, and of course, the Noel Jones yeah. Series, and even First Things First. Have you got a favourite series to write for, or do you approach um, in exactly the same way, no matter what instrumentation you're writing? I would say Triumph Series is my forte. Most pieces I send over Triumph Series, and if Andrew wants, well, Andrew does a fantastic job, by the way. We are really blessed, and so is Naomi, having him as head of the music editorial, and he gives me a great go. Great. Um, now, again, I know you're very humble, so may not want to talk about it too much, but uh, you're actually the third guest to appear on this podcast that's been awarded the Order of the Founder. Uh, I was just wondering if you'd be able to tell us a little bit about um, your citation for that award and how you felt to receive it. Yes. Well, look, it came to me as a, as a real surprise. I, I have never, ever sought fame or recognition the gift I've got is from God, and uh, I have the ability to uh, refine my work. I, I don't send a piece to Andrew unless I know it's sitting all right. Uh, but um, I, I had a lovely wife in Mary, 48 years, and I miss her heaps. She's been gone four years now, and she was so wonderful. A lovely Christian lady. She led a lot of people to Christ. If she saw a couple of fellas in the in the hall, not in uniform. She challenged them about their senior soldiership and she'd end up getting them to help her out in their craft group. You know, she had 40 ladies coming on to craft and I'm still remaining as a member of staff in the kitchen. But getting back to the order founder, I, I think it's a, a matter of fitting into core life, not only just your band, but I'm in everything. I'm in solsters, you know, the craft ladies, just brass, and I think Mary and I spent a lot of time overseas, various camps, music camps. Uh, I got a lot of blessing out of going to the ones who were struggling, you know, and going to some countries where I couldn't even speak their language. I think that sort of service and the humility of it all probably led me to receiving, becoming a recipient of the Order of Founder. And I do count that as a great honour. Uh, and I've been faithful right through since I was a young lad now to 80. I hope the, the Lord will spare me for a few more years yet. 
and uh, we really thank you for all those that encouragement. I'm sure that you probably have no idea of the scope of everyone's lives that you've affected and uh, influenced throughout those years. Well, it's been obvious all the way throughout this uh, conversation that we've had, but I'd love to hear it in your own words. Um, how have your composition and music making over the years uh, affected and influenced your faith? Yes, well, again, I treat devotional music or even writing a march as part of my devotions, right? I spend time in prayer each day. Uh, I, I attend the Sunday morning Zoom prayer meeting. I go to Bible study. Uh, and uh, that's besides going to the meetings. And uh, But I, I think uh, having a, an open ear... Uh, you hear a thought that touches your heart, I immediately come home and I start writing music. You know, that's, that's the way I, I do it. But that's the reason why I write music. Uh, I think probably a better way to sum it up, I've always wanted to uh, spread the gospel story through the means of sanctified music. Now, one of my mates is Sam Creamer, fantastic fellow. He's only about 40 and he's writing beautiful music. But I believe the Lord has chosen him or given him that gift to write that, you know, uh, big band jazz style. Something I would, I would never be able to do. I can write traditional band uh, swing, but he's a gifted man and, and I, I love him. Uh, if, whenever we're at a music seminar, he and I nick out for a cooked breakfast. So it is a great gift. And not only can he write that, that jazzy stuff, he can write a good march and he can write a good devotional piece. So he gets my complete tick. Brilliant stuff to hear. Passing on that baton to the, the next generation. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, finally, again, you've alluded to, to it a few times already in this conversation, but uh, have you got any compositional projects currently on the horizon or is there anything that you you really want to sort of write in the next couple of years that you haven't yet? No, look, I, I haven't thought that way. I, and I, I have never, ever forced myself to write a piece that I didn't want to. Uh, I do get a few requests. But I've got no great plans to write a quintessence or anything. But my favourite piece of music, am I allowed to say this? Yeah, please do. It's, it's not, none other name by Eric Leidstein. You know why I like that piece so much? All the motors seem to ascend where there is glorifying the name of Jesus. And that means so much. It's a magnificent piece of music. Uh, and, and it was written probably about 40 or 50 years ago now, I think. It's stuck with me ever since. Now, you know, you, you, know, you can't picture Les Condon's and you know, the light of the world by Dean Goff and William Himes can do everything, you know. But uh, that, that would be my favourite piece. I, I must say this too. The King of Heaven in more recent times by uh, Kenneth Downey, wonderful piece. That speaks to me. Very difficult to play, but that, that you know, really got my attention. Thank you. That's right. Wonderful, wonderful music you speak about there. And I really look forward to... Uh, hearing more of your pieces to come over the next few years. And, uh, you know, if you ever do decide to write a jubilate or something, I'd love to play it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, must, I must have a crack at that, yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, since we recorded that interview and I made that little comment there at the end, uh, Noel has uh, taken up the challenge of writing uh, a new cornet solo uh, that references jubilate. And it's a wonderful little piece of music. Thank you ever so much, Noel for taking on that challenge and I very much hope that when we're able to play uh, back again in person that uh, I'll be able to play that piece and uh, share your music with more people once again. So uh, thank you again Noel. Now this leads us into our quirky quickfire segment. So I believe you're quite a keen sports fan. Um, if you had to choose between cricket and golf, what would you choose? Golf. Okay. Uh, and have you got a favourite golfer? Tiger Woods, but I feel sorry for him. But he, we might have seen him play again. No, that's with a, that injury. Tragic accident. Yeah, and, nasty one. On the other... I have, I have met Tiger and I've spoken to him. Have you? When he came out to, uh, to the Australian Masters. Lovely fella. Very open. 
I said, lovely to see you here in Melbourne Tigers. Thank you very much. And uh, did he like your music? Did he tell you that? No, no. I should have <laughs> said he was too <laughs> Um, and, and on the flip side, have you got a favourite cricketer? I, I rather like Root, your, your English batsman. I, I like the way he goes about things. Sensible guy. Some people might say he's not firm enough, but I, I just like his style. He'd be a favourite of mine at the moment. Great stuff. Uh, next question is another either-or question. Harpsichord or lute? Yeah, harpsichord. Harpsichord. Excellent. Uh, have you got a least favourite key to write in? Yes, uh, four sharps. Nice, a bit of a major. Um, and uh, my next question, if you could click your fingers and travel to anywhere in the world instantly, where would you go first? London. If you could have dinner with anybody from history, who would it be and what restaurant would you take them to? Greg Norman. Um... Got a couple of good restaurants in Melbourne. It's got to be a steakhouse. Excellent stuff. Now, a few more slightly weird questions, perhaps, here. Uh, if you could have one sport banned forever, what sport would get the chop? Yes, there are one or two boring ones. Uh, volleyball. Okie dokie. Uh, what's your favourite item that you cook on the barbie? Shrimps. Excellent. Not going down any Australian stereotypes there at all. <laughs> right, well, uh, before we put Noel to the test in a special segment of Band Mastermind, we of course have our new segment of Band Mastermind at Home. Before I reveal this week's Band Mastermind at Home conundrum, I'd just like to congratulate our winners from last episode... Now, you'll remember I read out a section of programme notes and what you had to do at home was guess the piece I was talking about. Well, the piece I was speaking about was a fantastic piece of repertoire. It was Symphony of Thanksgiving by Dean Goffin and the programme notes were taken from the ISB CD, Blazon. Thanks to everyone who got in contact and let us know that answer um, and even those that let us know a wrong answer, we still appreciated it. Anyway... Our winner, the first person to let us know the correct answer, was Jonathan Evans, also known as Jevons. Congratulations also go to our runner-up, Fred Mbessi. Well done to both of you. Now, on to this episode's conundrum. Just to keep things funky fresh, our conundrum takes a different format this time. I'm now going to play to you a short snippet from a piece of Salvation Army band music, all you've got to do is be the first person to let us know what that piece of music is. If you can identify the piece, then why not go for the extra bonus brownie points of this band mastermind at home and let us know the exact CD recording this snippet is taken from. Ooh, and it might also be a little clue as to an upcoming guest in a future episode. Good luck. If you think you can identify the piece, let us know either via the Music Editorial Facebook page, our Twitter page, at Fully Scored, or even our page on the Instagram. Just search for Fully Scored. Now we head back to Melbourne for our special version of Band Mastermind with Noel Jones. Well, uh, as this is the aforementioned Noel's Birthday Bash special podcast. Uh, we've yep. themed all of the questions for this episode's Band Mastermind around the life and times of Noel Jones. So we're going to call this the Noel Jones Band Mastermind special. <laughs> so, um, as usual with Band Mastermind, you'll have one minute and 30 seconds to answer as many of these questions correctly as you can. And at the end, we'll tot up your score and uh, see how you got on. 
Your time starts now. Which band journal have the most of your pieces been published in? Unity, Triumph, Triumph or Street. General Suit? Correct, Triumph for 51. Uh, what year was your first piece published? 1968. Uh, incorrect, I'm afraid. Uh, what was that solo, though, for an extra point? Sorry, what was that again? Uh, what was that piece for an extra point? Oh, Jesus is real to me. Correct. Uh, who were the three cornet players featured on the ISB Abbey Road recording of Keeping Step? Oh, but I can't remember, sorry. But they no, played it well. No worries, we'll take a pass there. Uh, but how about who were the three cornetists on the 1984 Melbourne Staff Band recording, Melbourne Staff Band on record, playing the same trio? Robert Boozy, Noel Jones and Brian Davies. Correct. Name two other published Salvation Army composers with the surname Jones. Dean Jones. Correct. And we need Jones. one more. Ian Jones. Yep, one Dean back. is correct. And one more. Ian. Excellent. Correct. Uh, what year was the Noel Jones series started? Oh, I'd say ten years ago. Uh, 2000 and... One. Very, very close. How many Melbourne staff bandmasters have there been, including Ken Waterworth? Six. Uh, incorrect, I'm afraid. We've got time for one more question. Who was the first Salvation Army officer to set foot in Australia, bringing a, a pocket cornet with him um, on that journey? Saunders? Uh, not quite, I'm afraid. That, that gives you a grand total of four points correct, which for Bandmaster Mind is a pretty decent score, uh, not our lowest at all. So I'll just talk through those uh, those answers you didn't quite get yeah. correct. Uh, you were correct with the Triumph series having 51 of your pieces published, uh, followed by the Unity series of 17, General series with 12. Uh, the year that your first piece was published was actually 1979. Oh. I believe. Yeah, though you yes, probably sir. know better than me. <laughs> Um, the three cornet players featured on the ISB at Abbey Road recording of Keep in Step were Stephen Cobb, Gordon Hughes and Derek Alcop. Oh, yes, yes. Um, you, you got correctly two other Salvation Army composers uh, with a surname Jones. You said Dean and Ian. You could also have David, Derek and Marlon. Oh, yes, yes. Um, the year that the Noel Jones series was started was actually 2010. Right. Uh, and there have been 10 Melbourne staff bandmasters in total, including Ken. And the answer to the last question, who was the first Salvation Army officer to set foot in Australia, bringing a pocket cornet with him? Uh, the answer was Captain Glory Tom Sutherland. Well done. A really, really good score on our Noel Jones special bandmaster mind uh, there. Brilliant. Thank you. And, th and thank you ever so much for giving up your time. We really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to speak to us. And it's been wonderful to hear you, you speak and uh, the, those real words of, of faith and encouragement that we've heard from you. Well, unfortunately, that brings another episode of Fully Scored to a conclusion. Once again, Noel, thank you ever so much for giving your time to speak to us. Uh, it's a real pleasure to speak to you. And I really enjoyed that humbling and uplifting conversation that we had thank you for your years of service and long may they continue i'd also like to thank our producer simon gash as always for splicing everything together making it sound neat tidy and professional and of course thank you to you the listener i really hope that you enjoyed listening to our conversation and enjoyed celebrating with us for noel's significant milestone and i hope that you feel uplifted and really encouraged by those words as well that noel spoke don't forget, you can find us on Instagram, you can find us on Twitter, and you can find us on the Music Editorial Facebook page as well. We'd love to hear what you think of these episodes and what you'd like to hear in upcoming episodes even. So do get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. Well, until next episode, stay safe, take care, goodbye, and God bless.